Chemical warfare involves using the toxic properties of chemical substances as weapons. This type of warfare is distinct from nuclear warfare, biological warfare, and radiological warfare, which together make up CBRN, the military acronym for nuclear, biological, and chemical warfare or weapons, all of which are considered weapons of mass destruction. This record is a weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> what is going on, guys? My name is Matt. And I'm Gabe. And welcome back to the Tentacle Bot Podcast, where today we are reviewing the new record, Chemical Warfare by Escape the Fate. Yes, we are. And I, I'll go ahead and kick off uh, first impressions here. Um, my first re- listen through. <laughs> My first listen through of this album, I hated it. And as I continue to listen, it's gotten a lot less assaulting on my ears, but I still hate it. I turned it off song I turned it off song 3. <laughs> I li- I what ended up happening is I turned it off and I went and listened to old material of another band. It is if your record is so bad that the person listening doesn't even want to listen to your band, something is wrong. Yeah, the whole album just felt cheesy. It felt impersonal. It felt like a collection of B sides, which is ironically they're releasing a collection of B sides for this record on June twelfth, which you absolutely know that I'll be listening to and covering it in a hidden track because I know that I can't get Matt to listen to this again. <sighs> I I would literally I would literally like. I would rather go and breathe in some like really bad chemicals than <laughs> listen to this. It, this was just painful. And I I have a lot of salt with this. Um, personally, I have held Craig Mabbitt to a very, very, very highly. Um, back when I was in high school is attempting to learn how to do or like perform screaming vocals. Craig Mabbitt was one of the catalysts in which I tried to hone in my sound. Um, and really quick is big congratulations to Craig Mabbitt. Uh, recently, I believe it was about a month ago, um, before the time we're recording this episode is he actually hit his one year of sobriety. So huge congratulations. Mm-hmm. That's where the pleasantries are going to end. Absolutely. Yes. Congratulations to Craig. Like, keep doing what you're doing, man. You absolutely get yourself better. But, oh, God, make this record better. It's, yeah. And and so I will say, and I have listened to at least once, I believe, every record Escape the Fate has put out. Um, the, and honestly, after the release that they put out, I believe it was 2015. I just can't recall the name of it offhand. Um, it did include the single just a memory, which was a, a bit of a callback to them going to the, um, really heavy stuff. Um, and then they kind of went into this pop punk thing that just did not work they went the same direction that black veil brides went where it's more the glam rock motley crew kind of vibe which it's very evident like via their aesthetic Mm -hmm. um they're they're moving that same where they're just kind of going more towards like that really upbeat glam rock kind of stuff instead of being the hard not hardcore band but like metalcore band that they really used to be yeah and the the night the a, a nice thing about this record is this did feel like they were kind of coming back to a bit of the sound that you would have caught in the This War is Ours as well as self-titled record era of Escape the Fate. So it felt a little bit more like, you know, they were bringing breakdowns back. They were doing heavier riffs. But it's... 
Gabe, tell me about the lyrics. <laughs> um, look, man, th- this album was just a cheese fest. Everything just felt so cheesy. It just didn't feel like it had any sort of real backbone to it. It, I, I tried to find redeeming qualities lyrically. I, I found redeeming qualities musically, but lyrically, I just couldn't do it. Um, everything just was an outdone trope that really hadn't. <sighs> uh, I'm sorry, guys. This is going to be a rough one for us. <laughs> so if basically if the lyrics were a fan of an NFL football team, it'd be the Green Bay Packers because it's cheese. Yeah. Um. I so the more I read the lyrics, the more I saw a lack of evolution from the older material. I look walk on feels way too similar to remember every scar, which I believe was on 2018's I am human. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to look up the chem, <laughs> no joke. I tried to look up the lyrics for chemical warfare. I got chemical love, which was on the 2013 record they put out. I read the lyrics of chemical love and it literally read as if it were a song on this record. <laughs> If that doesn't tell you, if that does not give any sort of indication on how bad this is, I I don't I don't know what to tell you. The songs that were on this record just felt like they were songs that the the stereotypical scene hot topic girl would just put as her MySpace status and talk about how deep the lyrics were to her. <laughs> But Gabe. they're doing that now here in 2021. Do you, instead do you of... want to explain to uh, the young folks what MySpace is? No, I don't. I really don't feel like trying to like age myself right now. We're just going to go ahead and move into musical impressions. Matt, where are you at with that? The The problem is, is trying to put into words any sort of redeeming qualities on this record is going to be very difficult. There, It was nice seeing them kind of return to some of the older style. But Gabe, they introduce trap elements, trap music. They introduce a lot of trap elements. <laughs> and, and the one of the things I really hoped, and especially you know, again because of how much just really I hold kind of Craig to a high, really a high standard, if you will, just because of like the nostalgia, is I was expecting, oh hey, you know, like maybe we might get some screaming vocals. We get some screaming vocals. We it get feels minimal empty. screaming vocals. It vocals. felt just empty. It felt like there was nothing to it. Yeah, and, and to kind of just piggyback off of that, like I also held Craig Mabbitt to a kind of a high standard growing up, going through high school and stuff. I was a fan of Bless the Fall originally. I mean, they were Arizona band, in case you weren't aware, we are from Arizona. Um, so we, I was a fan of Bless the Fall, and then when he left and did The Word Alive, I got into The Word Alive for a little bit, mm-hmm. and he introduced me to them, and then he went on and was with Escape the Fate and introduced me to Escape the Fate. And so like all these core bands that I started growing up with that helped me branch out and learn more about the metalcore and just heavier music in general, mm-hmm. Like I had a respect for him in that regard. Um, but yeah, it just it didn't really like th- this didn't hold up for me at all there there was some redeeming quality about the musicianship in this like the overall mixing and mastering of this record was done extremely well um that was uh the album was produced by john feldman who's known for like blink 182's california fever 333's made in america mm-hmm. um he was a part of goldfinger which i love goldfinger um so there there's the redeeming quality of the actual mis- mixing and mastering of the album mm-hmm. there was actually some that was done by the uh, guitarist uh, uh, Kevin Thrasher Gruft. Um, and 
the from a, just a, a sound engineer standpoint, the mixing and mastering on this record was done really well. Mm-hmm. They they did a solid job on that. Um, the guitar work was okay. Yeah, like there was some cool elements of it. They had decent riffs that happened in some of the songs. The drums were there. They they held the beat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and we'll get into that a little bit as we do the uh, the the song breakdowns and stuff like that. And I will hand it to Craig that he does have a, a knack for writing catchy choruses. Now, mm-hmm. catchy doesn't necessarily mean good, but they are very catchy choruses. And even though I don't like this record, I can still find myself hearing the songs in my head, regardless yeah. of whether the fact that I like them or not. It's the same thing with Nickelback, and they did that back in the early 2000s. They wrote very catchy choruses that people were all about, and that's why they became like number two in the world. Not because they're good, but because they just wrote catchy choruses. <laughs> And um, I'll take a second uh, just to kind of do uh, a quick outlining of the band lineup. So Craig Mabbitt, we have on vocals. We have Kevin Gruft, um, as Gabe had alluded to, who did some of the production. Um, but he is you got responsible or you get see the credit for him for lead guitar, programming, engineering, bass, as well as backing vocals. We have TJ Bell doing rhythm guitar and backing vocals. Fun fact, TJ Bell used to be in Motionless and White at one uh, oh, really? kind of the early days. Uh, I believe he was the, I believe he was actually the um, guitarist uh, before he ended up leaving. Um, I believe it was actually to join Escape the Fate. Oh, that's neat. Um, and then we have Robert Ortiz on drums and backing vocals, who is the only original, original member. Um, Gabe and I had a little bit of a conversation before we recorded. Um, Craig Mabbitt's kind of an original member at this point, just based on how long he's been in the band. But um, if we're talking like OG lineup, Robert Ortiz is the only er- remaining from that original lineup. Hmm. Yeah, and then um, from there, moving forward, before we start getting into the uh, track-by-track breakdown, we'll start uh, discussing the album art. Matt, why don't you go ahead and describe that for us? False advertising. (laughs) (laughs) It is straight-up false advertising. Okay, I wasn't ready for that, Um, so I'll go ahead and go on here. So if you look at the cover, is it's a black and red sky, and it look it's supposed to look very dark and ominous, and you see some lightning in the back, and you see a gas mask. So you look at this, and you're like, bro, this is about to slap. It's going to be heavy enough. Literally, my face is going to melt off. False advertisement. Okay, Y'all, so a little it- bit further into that, <laughs> since Matt obviously has his feelings about it. Salty! <laughs> So um, etched in the mask, there are the words "no future," which I really couldn't find any like lyrical content to support that. Um, and then there is also the the phrase "build a throne from the ashes," which is from the song "Ashes Broken World," um, as well as the commonly used "a" in a circle to indicate an- anarchy. Even though this album is anything but anarchy, um, it fits the conceptual idea of chemicals and the need of a gas mask when one's in chemical warfare, but doesn't really communicate anything else and as matt mentioned there's the the lightning bolts that feel kind of out of place on the cover and it's assumingly a nod to lightning strike which is one of the singles off of the album there's nothing no deeper meaning to this to that qu- i could to find quote letter kenny <laughs> this is 10 ply bud <laughs> this record is 10 ply bud and we'll ju- we'll honestly just get right into the track by track lightning strike is the first song on the record gabe Give it to me. The second I hit play on this album, I had to double check that this was Escape the Fate. 
this song was so out of left field that it just caught me by surprise. Like the chorus is catchy but super cheesy. The guitar solo was fine, but it felt like it was just holding back a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't a fan of the actual guitar tone used during it as well. And then just in the intro and outro of the song, there is these weird O's that just sounded like pornographic. Like it just felt very out of place. Like if he was just trying to do like those cool O woo kind of sounds like that you hear in these guys that are just having to have a lot of fun, like he did in in some parts of this song. Sure, that's great, but this sounded like he was just, this was his 50th take doing it, and that was it. It just like, all right, I'm done doing this, just use the last take and we're good. And it came out sounding very just, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was my thought on it. Matt, how did you feel about this Honestly, song? Honestly, Gabe, the fact that you brought that to my attention kind of changes my entire perspective of the song. This, you know, after listening to the record the the first time all the way through, I only wanted to cry the entire time, but I got through it. Um, it this was my favorite song. You brought the uh, that to my attention. I don't think I have a favorite song on this record anymore. <laughs> but uh, if you did, it would be if this song. If I did, it would be this song. Okay. Um, outside of the the Hoyas, um, is I kind of like the the start using the trope of it being the the guitar being plugged in and then the song coming in. Um, you've seen that in a few different songs. Uh, I know was it it was Gloom, I believe, by the Divorce Prada is another example of that happening. Yeah, I, it's used everywhere. It's mm-hmm. Like there's a, a song. it's a very hardcore trope. If I if I kind of remember, it, honestly, it's just a rock trope. They use it in the in the song uh, "The Difference" by Philmont as well. Like it's mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what genre it is, just plugging in and then playing a riff. Like that's just a commonly heard thing. Yeah. I think even the Under Oath used it at one point in some of their stuff. Right. And then the other thing that really um you know is another indicator of just how bad this record is is the fact that this would be my favorite song after listening to it the song's less than three minutes it's like it's almost as if i want to just not be listening to a song because it's so short um the electronic elements weren't a bad touch but it felt too high up in the mix i felt like they should have really brought that down um even if it was just dropping like three volume notches like that would have been fine it just it almost felt overwhelming um solo work is about what i expected for escape the fate doing as they um what they've done um this, honestly, I can completely understand why this song was a single. Um, it was catchy. I definitely kind of bobbed my head to it. and So I'll say a well done there. Um, and then next up, we have Invincible, which features Lindsey Sterling, the famous violinist, um, who actually, I believe, is here from here in Arizona as well. Oh, that's neat. I didn't know that. Um, yeah, this song felt weird as track number two, like, if I were writing a record, this usually would be something that would fall in like track six, seven, or eight. Mm-hmm. Um, just with it's a very anthemic kind of feel to it. Right. Um, the Lindsey Sterling feature is the obvious like shining star part of this, just because she's so phenomenal of a musician. Yeah. Um, and that it does add a, a neat element to it. Um, she was actually uh, present in the uh, the music video that they did for this as well. Yeah. Um, it was a, a weird music video and I, I'll touch on some of the music videos that I saw for this album as well. Like it, it was just kind of a weird music video. It didn't really add anything. There was some weird zombie people at some point that I didn't really quite understand 
Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. What was that last bit? There were some weird zombie people in the music video. <sighs> okay. Kind of you like you remember their the album cover for their 2010 self-titled album after this war is ours. Yeah, it kind of looked like their faces on that, except it was just a bunch of random people instead of the bandmates. I didn't quite understand it. I have questions. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, anyway, that being said about Lindsay Sterling, um, it felt like her violin was buried in the mix at times, and I felt like it would have been more impactful. It was more in the forefront, like it was in the bridge and at the ending of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was really the the most best thing about it. Like. Other than that, the song felt like it was just one of those songs written to make MySpace girls happy. <laughs> I guess it's not yeah. MySpace girls. It'd be like, I don't know, TikTok girls or something. I, I really don't know anymore. <laughs> Honestly, at this point, it's probably just e-girls in general. This, so, in my initial listen after hearing Lightning Strike is, this is where I already start hearing the decline, and I'm already starting to just lose interest. Um once I got to the second listen of it, the song was easier to listen to. Listen three was tolerable. Um, full transparency, I've listened to this record all the way through twice. It is that hard to listen to. I suffered through it ten times, so I clearly have more strength so than you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry, Gabe. Um Really, so it was nice to hear Craig screaming, but I really want him to do stuff that's more along the lines of like this war is ours or just a memory, uh, where it's really a lot more screaming vocal dominated with in the verses and then the clean choruses. And it's just really a lot more of that heavy style. Um, and just kind of returning to that, I would really love to see. Um, have you listened to his side project, The Dead Rabbits? I ha- I actually got to see them live, and they were muy bueno. Yeah, so they, if you're looking for that fix, go to them at this point. Yeah. Um, you're not going to find that from Escape the Fate anymore. No. I don't, I don't and, think. I, I feel like this is going to be the new direction that they're heading, whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of directions that we're heading, we're going to go ahead and head into track number three, um, into Unbreakable. Let me back you up just for a second. Uh-huh. I will say, um, just to kind of finish up with Invincible, is Lindsay Sterling really was the best part of that song. Her actually playing over the breakdown, what really added kind of a sp- almost spooky touch to the oh, song. Sure. Um, and I definitely agree that they could have brought her, pulled her up a little bit more in the mix. Uh, but the way that she was able to back up that th- final chorus and then going into the bridge is, I think, just a really clean way to um, really kind of close this record out um but yep two unbreakable gabe hit me with it god i hate this song i uh so same starting off it starts in with these synthesized horns i've always hated the sound of synthesized horns a computer cannot properly and accurately recreate the sound of a horn instrument Mm -hmm. giving it the same soul and flair that somebody playing it would yeah so right off the bat that's already gonna rub me wrong um but then just this song is so just mid tempo and that uh, mid tempo is considered upbeat anymore. Yeah. Um, which is just wrong and it just never gets anywhere and it's so boring. It's basically the same song as invincible without Lindsay Sterling and just with a different kind of vibe to it. But it like lyrically it's the same thing. It's all the, the cliched tropes about being strong in oneself and so on. It's, a song written with the span of a primary audience, which commonly consists of younger females going through identity crises. Like it just, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have any sort of meat to it. And we're going to see this throughout the rest of the record. Like none of these songs really have anything more than these surface level lyrics of 
old has-been uh, tropes that lyricists have used to make mediocre music. Yeah. And un- unfortunately, like, I really wish that wasn't the case. I would love to be able to talk about how, like, even though the music of it sucked, that the lyrics were fantastic, but I just, I can't talk about that because none of these lyrics actually hit anything more than surface level. Right. And so, as I had said in the beginning is, so the first time I heard this song, I turned it off and listened to old era. Um, and I, 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 I the reason I'm spec- I bring specifically the fact that I went to listen to era. I don't mean this as an insult to era in any way, but it's a, it, an absolute insult to escape the fate is I want to make clear, like I turned off your music and didn't even go back to stuff in your discography. I went to another band to try and <laughs> like fill, fill the void in my heart. Like this is just unbelievably just disgust disgusting is really the word I put is like you, they're trying to incorporate trap music and dance music in this song. And and it's like, why does it also feel like it should have been something that was put out in the 1950s? Like, there, there's way too many things happening at the same time, and they're trying to incorporate way too many things in here that it's no longer Escape the Fate. It's literally just this trap music, and it just happens to have Craig Mabbitt on vocals. Like, that's the only thing that's really mm-hmm. rooting it in Escape the Fate. Yeah. Um, I don't really have anything else for that. Do you? Nope. I didn't think so. <laughs> Moving into uh, the uh, track, the the title track on the album, Chemical Warfare. Matt, how are you feeling about this song? Considering this was the title track of the record, I was expecting, okay, you know, there's a possibility it re- matches. No! 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 Yeah, so this <laughs> song... I don't know what that was. So with this song, Craig had indicated that like this was his like big song outlining his uh, his struggles that he had with alcoholism, and I didn't under like until I read that interview, I never would have known that this song would have been about that. This song felt like it was really just talking about the pain in love and that was what was driving him to alcoholism. Yeah. Not with the struggle and overcoming of it. The next track erase you felt more about the battle of alcoholism than chemical warfare did to me. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was wrong. Hey, I hate erase you too. And I'll get into that in a minute, but this just, it felt like it was a love song or not even a love song, but like you're hurting me, but I can't not be with you and I need you more. And now I'm going to drink because you hurt me and I need more. I felt like the kind of call to like the, you know, the, the alcohol abuse, I actually got more of that vibe out of chemical love. And that was a song that again, the song I got confused when I was trying to look up the lyrics for this song, that was a song written back in 2013 or at least released in 2013. So it, it's – Chemical Love, it seems to have been – that seems to have had the message that this song appears to have been neat, supposed to have had, but it was also written in a time when Craig would have been suffering from the abuse, you know, the, the substance abuse that would have included alcohol. Um, and I actually had a chance to listen to the interview he did with, um, punk rock NBA and really just how 
him explaining what really made him decide to get sober was an extremely eye-opening thing. He, um, and I, I may butcher the story, but I'm going to try and tell it as best as I remember, is there was, he had gotten into an argument with his fiance, and it was on a Monday. Um, he goes and he was talking to her about something and thought they were still in the same argument. It was a Thursday. And it was just so it was him and it was kind of at that point he started realizing like, dude, I need to get clean. And then there was another situation where he was sitting in his living room and I guess it was like his cable box. It sounded like it was talking to him uh, or he, th- he he was literally hearing it talking to him and he ended up, I guess, Jeez. calling the cops. And they, so um, he ended up going to rehab and it was at that point that he um, made the decision to get clean. Um, so, you know, just hearing that was, um, you know, just a really eye opening thing to understand kind of the perspective of it. And you actually, based on, in an interview that Kevin Gruff did is he was actually talking, he's gotten clean as well. And it's supposed to be that they're, they were like very hyper focused and this is a very elevated, um, you know, elevated music. And this is going to be like the beginning of escape the fate. And this is where they're going to be going. And to be completely honest, this might be the worst beginning I've ever seen in the band's history in just ever. Yeah, that's... I am 100% supporting anybody who chooses to get clean. We At always recommend 100%. getting help. 100%. Always recommend getting help and, and doing and taking the steps to, to make a better you. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's concerning for the uh, future of Escape the Fate. And so mm-hmm. we'll be keeping tabs on that and seeing how that moves forward. Um, moving into the song Erase You, as I mentioned uh, when we were discussing Chemical Warfare, I hate this song. Same. But this song felt more like it was a song about battling alcoholism than Chemical Warfare did. Mm-hmm. Um, I will skip this song anytime outside of listening to it, uh, for criti- critiquing it for the cast here. Um, and it was the first time that I noticed in the record that they used the pitch shifted high, like, noises voice baby things that they use throughout the record that i just i hated i've I've always hated this particular trope in in rap music um it's primarily where you'd see it rap trap all that kind of stuff um and it's used throughout the record entirely and i hate it and this is the first time that i really noticed it until i started listening through again and hearing it again and i just I hate this song. Yeah. What about you? No, Matt? this How is this is absolute. This is absolutely a trap song, and like the the question I asked, and I was fuming at this point listening to the the song, I, and it, it's it's going to you're going to see as I as I explain the record is it's going to just progressively get worse and worse. Um, the question I literally wrote here is: Escape the Fate trying to appeal to the TikTok crowd? Because you literally, like, I could probably take that song, cut it into 10-second chunks, or even 30-second chunks, and it would be like, oh, I'd find this on a TikTok video. Oh, I'd find this on a TikTok. See, the problem with that is most TikTok videos are going to be very, like, rhythm and drum-based, and this doesn't have any of that. This is just a very slow, ethereal kind of sound to it, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have any sort of, like, that... Uh, very like staccato kind of rhythm that people would like create a dance to, yeah, or something that would back up a video particularly pr- well, and and so like it just doesn't have that. So if they are trying to appeal to that, they're doing it wrong. It's a very bad TikTok attempt. Also, the other note that I made is the chorus sounds like it's trying to be "Yeah" by Usher. 
So that's a thing. Fair enough. Up next, we do have Not My Problem featuring Travis Barker, which is another one of the singles on the record. I believe this is single three of four or three of three. Um, Gabe, what are your thoughts on this one? So if I had to pick a favorite song on this record, this song would be it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's got a very catchy chorus. Lyrically, we've already discussed that. I don't want to really beat a dead horse any further. (laughs) Um, My biggest issue with the song is if I wasn't told that it was Travis Barker on drums, I would never know that it's Travis Barker on drums. Um, I honestly couldn't tell. Yeah, Travis Barker is, he's obviously a famous drummer and... At this point, he has such a unique style of drumming that I should be able to tell that. And the only thing that I noticed in the song prior to actually like looking at it and saying and seeing that it was Travis Barker drumming mm-hmm. was the fact that these drums were more technical than the rest of the album. Yeah. Uh, other than that, though, like it didn't feel like it was Travis drumming. Um, other than that, like it was a fine song. I didn't mind it. Um, the breakdown was pretty dope, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the lyrics just killed it. And, and just to just for clarification, at least for bands that he's been in, it's really been just Blink-182, right? Blink. Well, he did Blink-182. He had his own rap side project that he did for a while. He's um, doing stuff with uh, Machine Gun Kelly as yep. his primary drummer. He's done a lot of mixing stuff. I mean, at this point, Travis Barker is really more of a music more of an artist in his own right than like blink 182 is mm-hmm. uh, if that makes sense and he's kind of just he's kind of become what tom morello is to guitar like we discussed last week in yeah. uh, the pretty reckless he, he is what tom morello is to guitar is, is travis barker to drumming it, it's kind of he's kind of become a lot more just like feature type featured artist kind of thing now to a degree while at the same time still also doing all of his other projects so like i mentioned he did like the the most recent album tickets to my downfall with a machine gun kelly right Um, he actually apparently did a pop punk thing with willow smith that i i haven't actually listened to yet but i want to because it honestly sounds intriguing and i can't imagine anything could be possibly worse than whip my hair um (laughs) (laughs) so just things like that so I, I like the feature of him on here. I just, I don't think I ever would have known it if it weren't for the fact that I went and looked at it. Right. Um, which makes me sad because I really like Travis Barker as a drummer, mm-hmm. and I feel like having his influence on the song would have been just that much better. Yeah, no, I can agree More with of his that. influence on the song, I should say, um, because the drums in this song were particularly better than the rest of the record. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, and, and as I mentioned before, the bridge and breakdown were actually really dope, but the yeah. lyrics just were so bad. Yeah, um, no, and the so with this one is I can understand why this one was a single. I can get behind it. It's I don't know where I would place it in kind of like my t- you know how I would rank the songs. Um, really, when you when you kind of look at this song, and I you know I'm gonna I unfortunately have to put it this bluntly in this. Um, kind of really rudely but when you kind of look at it it's kind of a polished turd in a sea of turds (laughs) um the so here's here's where one of my big issues is and this is really another bit of bit of evidence in how the screams just felt very empty is it was just very cringy and it was kind of trying to take the sort of yell and kind of like easing into the scream, but also still trying to sound aggressive. And just that on top of just how cheesy and 
really the the lyrics that again line up with something that you would have found in a metalcore post-hardcore band that would have probably been between about 2006 and 2011 very you know the lyrics feeling a lot like that is it it just there was nothing that felt aggressive about it there was nothing that really made me feel like this song is actually attempting to be aggressive and that was a real big letdown for me um so I understand why it was a single, but that's about it. Yeah. Next up, we have Burn the Bridges. Why? Why, God, why did he have to do that terrible white boy rap? (laughs) This song would have taken number one for me if it weren't for that just abomination. Of a, a first verse, like. <laughs> so the electronics, I really like on the record, but Craig, please never, ever, ever do the white boy rapping again. I understand again that you guys are trying to evolve, and as Gabe and I got off on the side tangent during the era uh, review a few weeks back. Evolution is healthy. We want bands to evolve. We want bands to experiment with things. We want them to grow. This is the kind of evolution we do not want this to have This is not happen. how you do it. This is absolutely <laughs> not how you do it. Um, the chorus really is the best part of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, breakdown is a close second just in how riffy it is. It's not a typical breakdown as a as we know breakdowns where it's a little bit more of the beat down kind of like – Punch your punch your homie and kick somebody and fight invisible ninjas. Yeah, it's when, a when lot it more in, of a groove down. Really, is the best way to put it. Yeah, when it gets into that um that like second pre-chorus, like and the the guitars do that like really low just bend riff like that is just super like I would get nasty to that. Oh yeah, but like before that when it's like you built the bridge, I'm gonna burn it down. I'm like that's so just, <laughs> it's so bad and. <sighs> Yeah, so like you said, the the chorus really is the best part of this song. Like, yeah. it, it is a really catchy chorus. It's still, again, lazy lyrics, but whatever. At this point, just kick the dead horse while it's down. Yeah, it may as well um, at this point. The when I first listened to the song, the like uh, electronic synthesizer melody line that was in there, I wasn't really a huge fan of it until the rest of the record. I'm like, okay, you know what? I actually like this because it's a reasonable part of the record. Mm-hmm. And then I audibly said, "What is this?" When he when it just went into that first verse. And I, I just, I, I, I couldn't get over that. Like, this song would be my favorite song on the record if it weren't for that part. Yeah. Because of that part, it's on the lo- it's on the bottom end. Do you remember when you actually, after I told you that I skipped it after song three and you actually played this for me in your car? Yeah, I told you. I, I specifically told you when you said I hadn't listened after <laughs> st- song three, I said, it gets worse. <laughs> and it I wasn't was, wrong. <laughs> and honestly, like, if you had to describe what my face looked like, when you showed me that, Gabe, how would you describe it? I would say that it was if you had looked out upon a field, and on that field was not only a bunch of like your favorite kind of pie, but your favorite kind of pie had been stepped in by small children, and those small children had mold on their feet. <laughs> <laughs> And those small children were singing this song. 
But specifically his white boy rap part over oh, and over and no. over again. It was just an endless, dude, that's nightmare <laughs> sequences. So um, just so you guys know, we're going to start a side project. We're going to write horror movies now. Apparently. <laughs> Speaking of horror movies, after uh, track seven here, we move into track eight, which is titled Demons. I like that the songs tried to make the song heavy. I appreciate that, at least. It was kind of... Same. The, it, it was... The way I kind of it, worded it initially, kind of thinking it to myself, is it almost felt like a slow burn, where it was a little bit more of like a sludgy kind of slow riff. And I was like, I actually really like this. Um, remember when I said the scream sound empty? Mm-hmm. Here's another piece of evidence for yeah. that. Yeah, the um, both solos in this song were super dope. I mm-hmm. liked them both. Um, other than that, this song lyrically was just a cheese fest. Yep. It was just so. Ugh. This sounded like he was almost trying to make it, it. This this sounds like a song that I would have thought was super cool when I was thirteen. <laughs> this like, honestly, oh yeah, demons dancing in the dark, super heavy metal. Well, so okay, so funny enough is this actually is something I would have you know, and it's. When when I say this, I mean no offense to the band I'm about to reference, and uh, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of backtrack my statement as soon as I say it, but Might I'm gonna kind of elaborate. <laughs> no, well I hope not. So it sounds like something I would have expected more out of like Motionless and White, and the reason I say that is when you look at it, is like I come out at night and it's like vampires, ooh spookies. So it's like Motionless and White, that's their gimmick, and it's like okay, but I'm like. Chris Motionless doesn't write like this. Chris Motionless Chris Motionless wrote a better song doing this kind of vibe back in 2010 yep. and it slaps. They did a record that just makes this complete just it shows this as complete dress. I made a exact time stamp is once you hit 1 minute and 50 seconds and the rest of it you are in for just sheer absolute disappointment you are not in for a good time the only redeeming factor in this song is the solo that is it yep (laughs) so i don't just try to heat myself off of a balcony let's get into the next song called hand grenade and let me tell you this song sounds similar to the song ashley by escape the fate and ashley baby please beat me off a balcony uh, I do, no stop this just please end the record already. I'm so, so angry. You're you're gonna enjoy my my take on this song here. <laughs> this song lyrically felt like those memes when some when somebody gives a bot a thousand hours of something and it spits out a script. Like this just <laughs> feels like I gave a bot a thousand hours of hot topic songs. And it spit out these lyrics, and Craig Mavitt sang them. <laughs> yeah, th- it was just, it was boring, it was repetitive, it had no real added value to the album. There is nothing more that I have to say on this no, song. Honestly, the only thing is, all jokes aside, this is just a softish Escape the Fate song that has a heavy riff. And at this point, I want to ask both you, Gabe, and the viewers, can you tell I'm starting to punch out on this record? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> I uh, so let's just go ahead and move into track ten here because I have something to say about that. All right. Um, track ten, Ash's Broken World. It still feels like these lyrics are being written by an edgy teenager. The guitar solo was cool, not amazing, but it was at least a redeeming quality of the song. Mm-hmm. Like, 
at this point, like in the record, there the, after track seven, there is not a song on this record that I like remotely. Um, yeah, about the same. The, the, even then, like the songs before track seven, I still really didn't like a lot of them, and it just it was very difficult for us to to really pull out a lot of redeeming qualities. I'm sure that this record is gonna be for somebody, and it's just obviously not for us. Yeah, but as I was reading through like some comments on specifically it was the comments on the um, announcement of the B side version of this record that they're going to be coming out with here. It was a lot of comments of, do you mean C sides? Because this clearly was a B side record. (laughs) And that's really what it felt like the the entire way through. And people were just like, it's going to take me a while to enjoy it, but I'll try to enjoy it. And I'm like, you know what? Kudos on you for being fans for that because Mm -hmm. As somebody who's not really been a fan of Escape the Fate, like I, I listened to their music when I was younger and then just fell off the bandwagon because I, I matured into a little just heavier stuff in yeah. general. Um, this makes me not want to listen to them again. Yeah. And if this is the offering that you're going to be releasing to try and both keep your fans happy as well as recruit new fans, I feel like this is going in the wrong direction for it, right. especially if you want to showcase what you are. And unless this is just the new direction, and then if you don't like this sound, then oh well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Otherwise, it, this, yeah. I, I just don't have good things to say about this no, record. Honestly, and, and, and this this really is kind of, you know, and it, as I kind of alluded to the last song, is this really is just where I started really just clocking out, man. It's the... Especially based on the fact that, and I believe it was in an interview, Craig had said, um, and it it may have actually just been the band in its entirety, saying that this is is just the beginning, is if this is the beginning of the new era of Escape the Fate, we're in for a huge amount of disappointment. And really, you know, kind of looking at just the music that you and I listen to Gabe and you know, especially having talked about music before we started the podcast and even um, on the side while doing the podcast is we definitely have progressed into a lot heavier material. Um, we we've actually talked and if you don't mind me kind of spoiling is we're actually looking to in the future is have a, a little bit more of just, not really reviewing music, but we're going to sit down and we want to talk and explain just where we really come from just as music fans um, and in various aspects, musicians. Um, Gabe, as he alluded to in the prior episode, is he plays 12 different instruments. Myself, I really come from more of a vocalist standpoint, and it's just more of like the screaming vocals, and it's just kind of coming from that kind of perspective and just kind of getting to explain really where we come from, kind of what bands we listen to, and just to kind of give you an idea um but like my favorite band um just to to provide some insight is lamb of god um right (laughs) (laughs) um and so it's like just to give that insight is i i i'm a i'm listen to a lot heavier material i'm a lot more kind of like the the groovier aspects but still bringing that heavy escape the fate in a way brought the heavy not really so much the groove they brought more riff and it's just they've devolved so much from it and this song, what I found, and this unfortunately is kind of the case with the remaining songs on the record, is this just uses this new Escape the Fate formula of having a soft verse, chorus that is actually pretty okay, and then a fast solo. Riveting. Just absolutely riveting. And it's like, 
I look as I look at it compared to the other bad songs, this is probably the best of the bad songs, but it's like it just goes and kind of as I said a few songs ago, it's just, you know, a polished turd is still a turd. Like it it's there's it, it's like if I go and funny story, I'm going to derail us for a minute. Oh god. I played as a kid I'm I'm a big gamer myself. I played Need for Speed Most Wanted, and I thought that game was just the absolute bee's knees. I was 13. I thought it was edgy. I went and I pretty, you know, and being familiar with Need for Speed is you're pretty much street racing, which, of course, is illegal. Please don't do that. (laughs) Um, Especially you, Kyle. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Kyle. Um, Is I had a Chevy Cobalt that I tricked out. And I literally thought I was the hottest thing since sliced bread. And I was told by multiple people, it's like a polished shirt is still a turd. Basically, this song is a souped up Chevrolet Cobalt in a sea of other Chevrolet Cobalts. All of that to say Matt doesn't like the song. Moving on to my gravity. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on into track 11, my gravity. This song is an auto skip every time. Um, I honestly, at this point in reviewing the record, I just kind of gave up. I looked at the lyrics. I'm like, half of this seems like he needs her. Half of this does seems like he doesn't. I, I really don't care anymore. Right. There was a neat little synth solo in the bridge. There was nothing else to write home about it. I'm done. Moving on. <laughs> yep. No. And it, honestly, so like the, the note I have is it's, it starts like it's supposed to be a ballad, and then all of a sudden it comes into this rock chorus. Um, so it's like, and then it kind of cuts back into the formula as I had alluded to in in Ashes. So it's like, okay, so this is just really uh, pretty much Ashes with a diff- slightly different lyrical concept, and then in different timing. Whoop, congratulations, here we go. Um, this song, it sounds just so much more like others on the record. Um, I, I really just don't have anything else to say. That's just not a rehashing of what I've said on pre previous songs. Um, last up we have walk on and this is where I phoned it in. I, I will, and again, full transparency. I, as soon as I finished my notes for this song, I let walked out of my apartment. I went and I changed the headlight in my car and then I went back upstairs, I washed my hands to get the, you know, the grease off, and I went for a drive, and I drove for an hour, and you know what I listened to? Not this, I'm assuming. Not this. <laughs> I listened to a live version of Creeping Death by Metallica on repeat for most of that hour. I, I'm really glad I didn't go on that drive with you. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, if you would have gone with me, it would have probably just been you and me just talking about various things, whether it be like magic, music, or a combination of the two. <laughs> yeah, um, this one, the, the beginning riff sounded just like Not My Problem, almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then obviously the vocals kick in and the rest of the song is not. But that was just kind of funny. I'm like, yeah, you can start it a little bit different. Yeah. Um, I appreciate the sentiment of the song. The music video shows people having an emotional reaction to it. So obviously some people like it, but it's lyrically very boring. It's outdone. It's just the same thing. Oh, you're going to get through it. You're got strength that you don't know if you're going through hell, just keep going. And Mm -hmm. it's the same stuff that has been done over and over and over. It's nothing unique. This song truly adds nothing to that whole trope. 
and it's I mean, like, it's not like they haven't done this before either. Yeah. I mean, they just did it earlier on the same record in Invincible and, and, and yeah. Unbreakable. Like, they already did this in the same record. Yeah. Much and less. Honestly, and they've done it in previous records, too. Like, there is no reason that this song should have been written because it adds absolutely no value to their entire discography at this no. point. And it, honestly, as a closer, it is just an absolute letdown. Um, it's it a really, snooze fest. It's, liter- it's literally just my gravity or ashes, but it's just morbidity. And uh, to quote some memes, such diversity, much wow, invest in Dogecoin. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Am I allowed to say that on the podcast? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, you can't. You can choose to do with what you can with your money. Don't use Robinhood to invest in cryptocurrency. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> and uh, don't invest in Dogecoin just because it's a meme. Um, that being said, it is at like 66 cents right now, and I don't understand that, but here we are anyway. So, so here we are at the end of the record. Matt, on a scale of one to eight tentacles, it's one, isn't it? It's one point five. It's one point five. Honestly, the one, <laughs> the extra half is probably because I'm right, basically just riding the high of lightning strike. Um, I might have to put it down to less than one because of the pornographic yeahs that were happening at the beginning. This again really was just the hardest record to listen to. There were really three songs that were enjoyable enough that I would listen to again, but I would rather listen to "Old Escape the Fate." And I'm going. I'm going to go and say this: If I were, and this was a life or death situation, and I'm sitting there, and it's you have to choose either the Escape the Fate record or the A Day to Remember's newest record that we started off this podcast with, I would ten times out of ten pick the A Day to Remember record. And every fiber of my being, especially if I go and I talk to my 18 year old self. And I say, you would pick in a Day to Remember record over an Escape the Fate record. I would tell you to go jump off a balcony because I would tell you you are full of it. This is one of the situations I would take a Day to Remember over Escape the Fate. And that is a sentence I never in my life would have thought I would have uttered. This is an, an abomination is putting it lightly. I just, I will not touch this again with a 10 foot pole. And you would pretty much have to pretty much say you are going to die if you do not. All right. (laughs) I it's no, no, it's a no for me. I got to put it at a seven out of eight. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, absolutely. It is. It is absolutely a one out of eight tentacles. I will never listen to this album again. I never want to have anything to do with this album again. And it's just, it it, it hit the one. I honestly thought that it was going to take us like a year or two to find a one out of eight. No, God, no. It was pretty quick. It it was too quick. Okay, this is like, this is like episode eight or something like that. I wasn't ready for this on episode eight. Yeah. But here we are. Thanks, Escape the Fate. You really did that one in for us. (laughs) A round of applause. So on that note, at the end of the podcast here, we like to go into a section called The Hidden Track, where we discuss something not necessarily related, and thank God it's not related to this. <laughs> um, it, it's still inside the world of music. Uh, Matt, what do you got for us today? So this one is actually um, going to be a little bit of a caterance to the anime fans out there. Nerd alert! Let's go! So um, as I've actually recently been getting into anime a lot um, over probably the last year or two is I've been listening actually to a lot more anime music. Um, and the intro song for the anime Demon Slayer, which side note, the Demon Slayer movie slaps. I loved it. I need to go see it again. It's that good. 
Um, but the opening, the intro song is called Garange by Lisa. Um, and for clarification is if you're trying to look it up, is it's capital L, lowercase I, and then capital S, capital A. Um, not sure what the significance behind the name is, but you know, I'm it's sure kind of neat. There, there probably <laughs> isn't. Um, so it's the intro for the uh, first season that they have out. And it starts out a, a very kind of somber, uh, really somber is kind of a good way to put it over a piano. And then all of a sudden is it just kicks into this just really catchy riff. Um, and it just continues to just blow up. And each chorus just seems to get bigger. And the really one of the things that makes the song just absolutely insane is chorus three is it starts the first half of it almost goes into a halftime. Um, so the instrumentals go into this halftime, but the vocal melody stays the same. And then suddenly it goes into the back half of it where instrumentals go back into the regular time and the vocals just cut loose. And I love it so much. One of my absolute favorite anime intro right now. Um, it's going to be hard to find one that's better than this one. So is it better than dear Maria? (laughs) <laughs> I'll come I'll come back to you on that one. <laughs> um but that's it for me. Gabe, what do you got for this one? Um so I wanted to touch on uh two things this week. Um so I uh discovered some new bands thanks to uh Facebook advertising. It's like they got me on lock or something. Um so Mark Zuckerberg, we're uh we're on to you. Yeah, exactly. Um so one of the bands is uh called Deadlights. Um I would describe them as a like post hardcore like under oath uh something that johnny craig's done in the past mm-hmm. mixed with like new metalcore and did you um, say it was dead lights yeah dead lights one okay word. yeah and um so like they have a really cool like groovy vibe to them while still like holding true to like some of those like old emo bands okay um so as a like an emo kid growing up like that just that really spoke to me and though i really enjoyed that um also the other it's band that face, i mom exactly <laughs> An emo kid. <laughs> um, the other band that I wanted to discuss is a, a band called From a Sorrow to Serenity, which I discovered. Um, they are a little bit heavier in that regard. Um, they recently just put out a, uh, a not really a single album, but not really an EP um, called Trifecta. Um, they released three different songs on it, um, and that was really good. They're very like groove, riff heavy kind of stuff. Okay. Um, they've put out two albums so far. They put out an album in 2016 and an album in 2019 that were both full links. Um, I really enjoyed them uh, so far. They're kind of um, in the vein of uh, bands like Victims, Gravemind, Quiet Kind, uh, Lotus Eater, and so on. Okay. Um, so I do definitely recommend both of those bands. Recommend that you check them out. Um, but yeah, that's really all that I've got here today. Um, we appreciate you guys checking us out, listening to us. We appreciate it if you uh, please rate us, like us, and comment on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, and anywhere else that you listen to your uh, podcasts. And uh, that'll be all for today. We will see you later. Catch you next time.